Well, good morning. Welcome home. Good to see all of you today. Pastor Kyle is taking a little time off today, having some family time, so we wish them well and and uh, hope they're able to just have a good day today. But um, I, before we jump into our sermon, I just want to make one quick verbal announcement. Um, Sarah and I are going to be leading the All-Star Marriage Conference on November 10th and 11th. And uh, it starts at 5 o'clock with supper that Friday, and it'll go till around 9.30 or so. And then it'll start Saturday morning around 8.30. We'll have breakfast together, lunch together, um, and it'll end about 3.30 or so. So the cost is 25 bucks a couple, which is really, really inexpensive. That mostly just, just covers food and material. So uh, hopefully you can come to that. Be sure and sign up. There's a sign-up sheet in the lobby, and uh, space is limited. So as soon as you know that you can attend that, go ahead and sign up and, and get on the sheet. And uh, we'll probably do it again maybe in the spring or We'll do it again sometime for sure. But uh, think about that. Pray about that. It's open to all married couples and, and hope that you can attend that. Well, I, uh, we, we continue this morning our series called Written in Stone. We've been looking at the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are, are ten non-negotiable things that we have to do if we want to love God and love people. That has always been God's desire for his people is to love God and love. That's not just a New Testament thing. That's not just a Jesus thing. Even the Ten Commandments, the first four are about loving God. The last six are about loving people. And so today we come to the Eighth Commandment. And uh, before we get there, I need to, I need to have some confession time. I need to unload something off my chest from when I was a little little kid. All right, there was a cookie company. And they had just come out with this, these new soft batch chocolate chip cookies. And instead of just sending, you know, like something in the mail, like, like a flyer or something, they actually mailed out, I can't imagine them doing this in this day and age, but they actually mailed out these little sample packages of cookies through the U.S. mail, delivered to people's mailboxes. And so I think it was during the summer, because my friends and I, we were, you know, playing, whatever, and, and we figured out that every mailbox on the street had a package of cookies in them. And I'm pretty sure that stealing from a mailbox is a federal offense, and I don't know if there's a statute of limitations, so I'm not going to say anything else. I am guilty of breaking the eighth commandment. You must not steal. That's a pretty straightforward commandment, isn't it? I mean, to put it in redneck terms, don't take what ain't yours, right? It's pretty simple. It's pretty easy. Don't steal. If it doesn't belong to you, then don't take it. So let's dig into this a little bit, though. And, and you know, my question when I first started thinking about this is, why is stealing so offensive to God? Why is stealing so offensive to him that he would include it in the Ten Commandments? Well, I'll offer you a couple suggestions as to why it's such a big deal to God. One is because God owns everything. And if he owns everything, then it's his right to give and it's his right to take away. The Bible even says that. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Because he owns everything. It's all his. Look at what Psalm 24 says. It says, the earth is the Lord's. It's supposed to say the earth. We didn't change that after the first service. I hope that your heart is the Lord's also. But the earth is the Lord's, not everything in it. 
the world and all who live in it. It all belongs to God. And so when I steal from somebody else, it's kind of like, like stealing from God because it all belongs to him. He either created it or he created us with the ability to create it. And so it's all his. It's not really my right to, to take something from somebody. But here's the second reason why this is such a big deal to God. And I think this maybe even is a bigger reason. It's because stealing destroys our relationships. I think sometimes we underestimate how important our relationships with each other are to God. Stealing undermines and destroys our relationships. You see, this commandment ultimately isn't about things. It's not about stuff or property or money. Ultimately, this commandment is about relationships. God is trying to protect our relationships, and he wants us to protect our relationships by not taking what doesn't belong to us. In fact, here's some evidence of that. Um, in, in ancient cultures of that era, of that area in that day, in a lot of those cultures, if somebody was caught stealing, they were put to death. They were executed for stealing something. But that's not what God says. What he says in the Old Testament law, and the Ten Commandments are kind of a smaller part of the larger Old Testament law. And what God says in the Old Testament law is, in most cases, when somebody steals something, it's not that they're supposed to be put to death. They're supposed to do something called restitution. Restitution is where basically you pay back what you stole. And a lot of times the law required double what you stole. In other words, by, by not saying if you steal, you should be put to death, and instead saying if you steal, make it right, God is saying, you know what? I care more about human life than I do property. I care more about your relationships with each other than I do your stuff. God cares more about our relationships than he does our stuff. And so God says if you steal from somebody, then the most important thing for you to do is make it right. And try to fix the relationship that you broke when you stole. That's why this commandment is so important to God. Now, by this point, you might be thinking, okay, I've never stolen cookies out of a mailbox. I've never stolen money from anybody. I've never stolen anything. That's not really a temptation for me. I, I don't really think this, this commandment or this message is for me. Well, let's, let's widen the net a little bit on this. Because just like Pastor Kyle has said the last, last couple of weeks, um, you don't have to actually go kill somebody or go sleep with somebody in order to, to break the commandment, do not murder or do not commit adultery. There are other ways that you can break those commandments. Well, there are other ways that we can break this commandment also. You don't have to actually go steal some tangible thing from somebody in order to break this commandment. So let's talk about that. How do, we, how do we break this commandment? First of all, uh, we can steal a, good per, a person's good name or reputation through gossip. I, uh, several years ago, I was on the board of a, a nonprofit organization, and we had to make some difficult decisions. There were some really, just some really bad stuff that came up. We had to make some tough decisions, and I was the president of the board at that time. And um, sometime after that, like a year or so after that, there were some people in the organization who, who decided they didn't like the decisions that we made, and some of them were even part of that decision, but I, I kind of took the blame for that, which is fine. That's, you know, the leader's supposed to do that. But, but I found out that, 
that there were some people who were saying stuff around town that just about me that just wasn't true. And what really hit me was when it was it wasn't just affecting me, but it affected started affecting my church. At least it seemed that way. A guy in our church had been talking to a, a lady in town, and he invited her to come to church. And she said, "Well, I I don't think I could come to your church." Uh, while Adam is the pastor, because when he was on the board of this organization, he did this. Now, fortunately, the guy in my church said, that, that really doesn't sound like Adam. And he asked me, and I, and I was able to tell him, no, that's, that's not what happened. I didn't do that. But I got to tell you, it hurt. And it made me mad. And I told Sarah at the time, I said, I said, what makes me mad about this is I try so hard to have a good name and to keep a good reputation in town, not just for my sake and for our sake, but also for our church's sake. Be careful, folks, about the stories that you pass on. And, and sometimes in the church, we, we kind of disguise gossip by calling it prayer requests, don't we? I have this prayer request. You know what I heard about this person over there? We need to pray for them. Uh, be careful. Be careful. You can steal a person's good name and reputation through gossip if you're not careful. Next thing is uh, we can steal a person's purity or a person's integrity by leading them into sin or temptation. Let me say something today. Teens, single people of any age... If somebody is trying to lead you into something that will steal your purity before God, you need to find somebody else. You need to find somebody else. And make sure that you are not the one leading somebody else into sin or temptation. In a way that will steal their purity before God. Be careful about that. Third thing is you can steal a person's sense of peace and joy. By refusing to be reconciled. It tears my heart out. When I hear stories of siblings who aren't talking to each other. Or parents who aren't talking to their grown children or Children who aren't talking to their parents. And you can see the hurt in people's faces when they, when they tell those stories. It's brutal. Some of you in here are in that situation. And not because I know that, but just, the, just by the number of people, statistics would say there are people in this room who are in that situation. And it's, it's one thing if you have tried to reconcile and you've tried to make up with this person and, and they don't want any part of it. That's one thing. The Bible says as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. In other words, do your part and know that you don't have any control over what they do. So that's one thing. But make sure that you're not the one who's refusing to be reconciled. Make sure that you're at least doing your part to say, you know what, I want this relationship to be mended. Because when we don't do that, when we refuse to forgive, when we refuse to ask forgiveness, when we refuse to be reconciled, we're stealing something from that person. 
we're stealing some kind of joy or peace that God wants us to have in our relationships. Be reconciled with people. Forgive and ask their forgiveness. You can also steal an opportunity or an experience from someone because of your own selfishness. Um, In August, Sarah and I celebrated our 20th wedding anniversary. Um, We were able to to go out on a date a couple nights before. In fact, we ate at Jim's Steakhouse and somebody paid for our dinner anonymously. So if that was somebody in here, thank you very much. I have no idea. But that was a few days before our actual anniversary. And on our anniversary... You know, our 20th, that's a big deal, right? That's a big number. We weren't even in the same state on our 20th anniversary. We were still transitioning them over here from, from southern Missouri. And uh, so we didn't, even, we didn't get to see each other that day. When we did talk on the phone, we fought. I mean, this was like a horrible 20th anniversary. And so I got to thinking after that, well, we got to make sure we do something big for our 25th. In five years, right? I mean, that's a big thing. So we need to do something big for our 25th. So let's say, let me give you a hypothetical situation. Let's say that, um, that Sarah and I were talking about what we're going to do for our 25th anniversary. And, uh, and Sarah said, you know what? I want to go to Hawaii. Let's go to Hawaii. I've always wanted to go there. That would be awesome. I'd love it. Let's go to Hawaii. And what if I said, no, let's go to the mountains, Let's go camping in Colorado or something, and we'll, we'll go fishing, and it'll be great. And let's say that Sarah's, you know, we kind of go back and forth, and finally Sarah says, fine. Husbands, just know that when your wife says fine, that doesn't, it's not fine, okay? All right? You don't even have to come to the marriage conference. That's for, that one's for free. But what if Sarah said, fine, we'll go camping in the mountains, and it comes, and we, we get there, we're in the mountains, and maybe we're sitting around a campfire, and I'm sitting back and just enjoying being in the mountains. And Sarah's sitting there thinking, this is nice, but I really wish we were in Hawaii. What would I have done in that situation? In, that case, in this hypothetical situation, I would have robbed, I would have stolen from Sarah an experience that she really would have enjoyed because of my own selfishness. Now, I know that nobody in here ever does that in your marriage or your relationships. Okay, we all do that sometimes, don't we? I do that sometimes. Be careful that you don't let your selfishness steal something from somebody else. You can rob your loved ones of a joy-filled relationship with you just by being a jerk all the time, right? Now, again, all of us are, all of us are jerks sometimes. But as I was thinking about this, it, it occurred to me, the people that we're jerks to most often are the people who are closest to us, right? I'll be the first to admit, I've said things to my wife and kids that I would never say to anybody else. I have said things to my wife and kids in a tone of voice that I would never say to anybody else. Shouldn't be that way, should it? 
it shouldn't be that way. And, and when I'm a jerk, again, all of us are, are jerks occasionally, but, but if you're a jerk all the time to your loved ones, you're stealing something from them. Remember, God created our relationships. He created us to have, have good relationships with each other, relationships that bring us joy and, and fulfillment and peace and all of that stuff. And so when I'm a, when I'm a jerk to my family all the time, I'm, I'm robbing them of that. I rob my wife of a good, healthy, enjoyable marriage if I'm a jerk to her all the time. I rob my kids of a good, healthy, enjoyable childhood if I'm a jerk to them all the time. And so, well, how do I not be a jerk? Well, a good place to start is practicing the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control, all of those things. Practice those things, and you'll never be a jerk to your family again. And you'll never again rob them of the joy that's supposed to come from that relationship. So ask God to help you with that. That's a problem for you. Last thing is just a real practical thing. Um, you know, you can steal from your boss just by being less than, than a dependable, conscientious worker. Um, the Bible tells us that even when we're at work, even when we're working, work as if you're working for God and not your boss. And if you'll approach your job with the mindset that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this job not just for the money, not just for this or for that. I'm going to do this job in a, because I want to bring honor to God. And I'm going to approach my job in a way that brings honor to him. If you'll approach it that way, you'll never steal anything from your boss. You'll never steal anything from your place of employment. So be careful about, about that. Here's, here's, my, here's my thinking, though. You know, when you look at that list... Um, you might say, I, I've never robbed a bank, I've never stolen cookies out of a mailbox, I've never taken anything from anybody. But when you look at a list like that, we've all stolen from somebody sometime, haven't we? And we've all had things stolen from us at one time or another, when you consider those intangible things like that. So what's our takeaway from this then? If we can agree that all of us have stolen something from somebody and all of us have had something stolen from us, then, then what's our takeaway? Well, I have three things to do if you're the offender. You're the one who has stolen. And then I'll have one thing to do if you are the victim. So let's start with if you're the offender. Uh, the first thing is, is simple. If you're the offender, then stop. Right? If you're stealing something from somebody, whether it's tangible or intangible, the first thing you need to do is you just need to stop. And I love what Paul says there in Ephesians 4. Very simple, very straightforward. He who has been stealing must steal no longer. In other words, stop. Stop. Now, you might ask, okay, how do I do that? You know, sometimes stopping isn't as easy as we make it out to be. So how do I do that? Well, the second thing we need to do is we need to protect our integrity. Integrity is what you do when nobody's looking. It's easy to do the right thing when somebody's looking over your shoulder, but what about when nobody's looking? That's integrity. Guard your integrity, and here's why. Because, because little compromises, little cracks in our integrity lead to bigger cracks in our integrity. 
Back in the early 2000s, there was a, a series of um, corporate scandals that hit the news. Like CEOs and, and CFOs and like big hot shots and big companies, it came to light that, that a lot of them were just, were just stealing money from people. They were cooking the books and doing all kinds of things. And the biggest of those scandals at the time was a company called Enron. Anybody remember that? Enron. It was a Houston-based company, and their CEO had just, I mean, he had stolen millions and millions of dollars from people. And not long after that, um, Sarah and I were at our neighbor's house. They'd had a block party, and so there were a bunch of us that were, that were just sitting around eating and, and talking. And the subject of Enron came up. And at one point, somebody said, Adam, you're a pastor. That always kind of makes me nervous when people start that way. That, Adam, you're a pastor. How does somebody do that? How does somebody get to a point where they can actually steal millions of dollars from people? And I said, well, the only thing that I can, that I can think of to answer that is, I bet if you asked all of those guys that, that have been in the news, including the guy at Enron, I bet if you asked every one of those guys, when you were back in college or when you were starting your career or when you were starting your job at this company, did you, did you set out to steal millions of dollars from people? Like, was that your goal? Was that your plan? I bet you most of those guys would say no. And I bet you some of them would even say, I don't even know how I got here where I'm at right now. But what I think probably happened is way back here in college or when they were starting out, they made little compromises. Little unethical compromises that led to bigger ones, that led to bigger ones, that led to stealing millions of dollars from people. Guard your integrity. If you're okay skimming a little off the top at work, or if you're okay with skimming a little off the top on your taxes or whatever else, be careful. Because those little compromises, those little cracks in your integrity lead to bigger ones very often. So if you're stealing from somebody, no matter what it is, one stop to protect your integrity. The third thing is practice generosity. You know what the opposite of stealing is, in my mind at least? Generosity. See, stealing is about taking. Stealing is about saying, I want that and I'm going to take it. Generosity is about saying, I want you to have this and I'm going to give it. Stealing's about taking, generosity is about giving. Practice generosity in your life. Practice putting the needs and desires of other people ahead of your own. Practice putting the interests of other people ahead of your own. In fact, Paul Paul says it this way. Uh, Let me back up. There's our our slide again. There's our our non-tangible ways that we steal from people. Practice generosity and you'll never do any of those things. Practice putting the needs of others above your own, the, self, the interests of others above your own, and you'll never do any of those things. 
Here's what Paul says. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Will you read that with me? Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Put those words into practice and you will never steal anything from anybody in your life. Practice generosity. If you're the offender, stop doing it. Protect your integrity and practice generosity. So what if you're the victim? All of us have been a victim of stealing in one way or another, right? That's kind of the premise we're going by here. So what do you do when you're the victim? I have one thing to do when you've been the victim. Anybody want to take a guess at what it is? Forgive. Forgive. A week or two ago, I think, I think Pastor Kyle sang the song, Let It Go. I'm not going to do that for you. You're welcome. But now it's in your head, so... Let it go. That's what forgiveness is. It means letting go of your right to be angry, letting go of your right to be even. If somebody has stolen something from you, whether it's material or immaterial or or tangible or intangible, ask God to help you forgive. I I know more siblings than I want to count who seem to have a good relationship, seem to get along, seem to have peace in their family. Until mom or dad died. And then they started fussing over who was going to get what. And a lot of times they accuse the other. Well you, you stole this. Well no you stole this. It's not worth it to hold on to that stuff. Ask God to help you forgive. Even if you are 100% certain. That the other person was in the wrong. Ask God to help you forgive. Several years ago at our church in Mountain Grove, um, there was a a guy who had started coming to our church and he and his family got settled in. And uh, years before that, he had had this, kind of had this fight with a neighbor over a fence line. One of them had put a fence up. I don't remember all the details, but one of them had put a fence up and the other got mad, said, well, that's on my property. Well, no, that's on my property. And they were both basically were accusing each other of stealing property. And it got really bad and really bitter. And, and, um, and so you fast forward a few years, one, one of the guys started attending our church and he got settled in. And, and then probably a year after that, the other guy came to visit our church, having no idea that this other guy attended there. And on that day, we happened to be having communion. And instead of calling everybody up to receive the elements, we had ushers who, who passed all the elements out. And the first guy who had started attending our church, he was an usher that day, and, and he had to serve communion to this guy that he had been holding this bitter grudge against from years earlier because he thought he stole property from him. And God began to bring conviction on his heart. And before the next week was out, 
these two guys met together and said, I'm sorry for how that all went down. I forgive you. I hope you'll forgive me. And you know what? They, were, they weren't just buddy buddies after that, but they were able to worship together in the same congregation. They were able to sit in a room and have a Bible study together without being bitter and angry towards each other. Through God's help, they were able to forgive when they felt that somebody else had stolen from them. Let me tell you, that's the stuff that brings joy to God's heart. You know why? Because he cares more about our relationships than he does about our property. That's what this commandment is about. And here's the thing. If God, our creator, cares more about our relationships than he does our stuff, then we should too. We should too. So, when you consider not just tangible things, but intangible things as well. Every one of us has stolen from somebody else, and every one of us has had something stolen from us. So let me close with a couple of questions. For whatever you have stolen from somebody else, whether it's a tangible thing or an intangible thing, for whatever you have stolen from somebody else, have you repented of that? That means to change directions. It means I'm walking this way, I'm walking this way towards you, and I'm going to turn, and I'm going to walk this way. If you have stolen something from somebody, have you repented? Have you asked their forgiveness? Have you tried to make it right and mend the relationship? If you haven't, what would it look like if you did? What would it look like if you went to that person and said, I messed up and what I did was wrong. I stole something from you when I did this. I stole something from you when I said this. And I'm sorry. What would that look like? Or on the other side of that coin, for the things that people have stolen from you. Have you made the choice to forgive them? Have you made the choice to say, man, that really, really hurt. But with God's help, I'm going to choose not to hold that against that person. I'm going to choose not to stay angry. I'm going to let go of my right to get even and stay mad for the rest of my life. Have you made that choice? And if you haven't, what would it look like if you did? I don't know how you need to respond to this today. I don't know what God may be speaking to your heart. But I would ask that you would stand as as we continue to worship him. However you need to respond today, if you want to come forward and pray, if you feel like you need to leave the sanctuary right now and go make a phone call to somebody, Whatever you need to do, just be obedient to what God's laying on your heart right now. Let's continue to worship Him.
Christ is enough, when we know that Christ is all we need, we don't have to go take something that doesn't belong to us. Because we already have all we need in Jesus Christ. So Father, we thank you for loving us. Thank you for loving us enough to show us how to protect our relationships. Thank you for the gift of those relationships. Help us, Father. Help us in our hearts to put our relationships above our stuff, our belongings. May you be enough. May you be all that we need in our hearts. You already are all that we need. Help us to be aware of that live that out. Forgive us, Father, for the things that we have stolen from other people. Forgive us when when we have refused to forgive when people have stolen from us. Help us through your Holy Spirit to look out for the needs and the interests of others before our own. And help us to forgive love you. We trust you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Have a blessed day.